This is the Human-Centric Investing Podcast with John Deal, where we look at the world of investing through the eyes of our clients. Over to you, John. Hello, financial advisors. This is John Deal, Senior Vice President of the Applied Insights Team at Hartford Funds. Welcome to Episode 44 of the Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Joining me for today's call is Mike Lynch. Mike and I have worked together. I don't know. How long has it been now, Mike? It's probably 20 plus years, John. 20 some years. And we've worked closely together in our task on the Applied Insights team of educating financial advisors and their clients about many of the things that we talk about on this podcast, kind of trends, be they planning trends, be they emotional trends, technology trends that are happening uh, in the financial services marketplace, obviously with our focus on the financial advisor. And Mike brings just, as we just mentioned, decades of experience. But today, uh, I've asked Mike on to talk about this topic of hosting virtual events. Some of you may have listened to an episode that I did recently with uh, a gentleman named Curtis Ranta, who was talking about hosting longevity panels. And Curtis mentioned how those panels seem to work really well physically, and, and he was going to start trying them virtually. But with Mike, Today, we're going to talk about virtual events with centers of influence, and not just centers of influence that we already have, but really as a prospecting strategy, both for the center of influence, but also for potential new clients. So, Mike, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Sure. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. So let's jump in. Mike, a lot of people use the term centers of influence, right? But it can mean different things to different people. Can you tell us what it really means for a financial advisor? Sure. I think especially for an advisor, it really means those people and maybe organizations uh, that can help boost their market access. Um, I think their credibility, certainly referrals, uh, maybe some testimonials. But I think what's most important is really it allows them the opportunity of building a partnership to leverage and to get introductions. I think referrals are great, but introductions really are the key. And I think for some advisors, they've done it for years where they may have, and I've literally seen it where maybe on the left-hand side is a CPA, the right-hand side is a, an attorney, or those are the two go-to people, and those are kind of the centers of influence. But I do think as, as we continue to evolve, as our clients' needs continue to increase, a lot of advisors are really thinking about, this has worked in the past, but can I expand my centers of influence? Can I think about maybe the non-traditional types of uh, folks that maybe I should be partnering with that can be great centers of influence and maybe even stronger than my CPA or attorneys or to complement those folks in that relationship. Well, I would think, Mike, that the virtual world actually would give them expanded geographical reach as well, right? So let's say you had a, a pocket of clients in the area of the country not near you, but maybe you're exposed to centers of influence in that area where physically it would be a challenge to get there, but virtually you could kind of build that relationship, right? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, certainly with the summer, right? And if you're in the Northeast, but you've always had an interest or a passion and you thought maybe this is the summer where I'm going to rent a house or maybe think about a beach house in the Southeast, you know, having the virtual opportunity to maybe connect with local realtors in that area to maybe bring somebody on who's an expert in that area and to do it remote. I, I think we've seen certainly over the years, it's been great, but I think it's sometimes it's kind of challenging from a time perspective to you know, get to a location to host an event with a center of influence where now, gosh, I have the flexibility. Maybe it's during the day. Maybe it's early in the evening to just jump on. And, and to your point, I think it's great because attendees can be anywhere as well. 
So if I've got some clients, but I may think that, gosh, you know, traditionally the summer is a little bit slower because they're out of state. Well, I can still have them connecting virtually. So I think it goes both ways. And I think that's where we see really great attendance and, and really the, the reception of this is, is just been broader and broader. So, Mike, what types of professionals do you see included in these center of influence events? I'm assuming the traditional centers of influence, accountants, estate planning professionals, are they included? I shouldn't assume anything. And then, you know, what other areas of interest do you see? Yeah, I, I always think of them kind of as the building blocks or the foundation. I think it's important to have great relationships with a few CPAs, with a few attorneys in the area, especially estate planning. We continue to hear, unfortunately, special needs attorneys, right, and the opportunity that they represent. So I think having those is the foundation. But now I think, you know, kind of uh, consider what's going on in the small business marketplace and thinking about relationships with lenders or maybe it's a local small business administration person. Folks are thinking about maybe downsizing or upsizing. So having relationships with uh, good attorneys or good stagers in the area that can share ideas to help people maybe buy a home or sell a home more efficiently. You know, elder care social workers, folks in, in the medical profession. You know, it's tough certainly to get a doctor or a nurse, but is there a physician's assistant who works for the go-to orthopedic organization in the area? You know, how do you get in? How do you fill out the paperwork? So I think really the sky's the limit. I think one of the challenges sometimes is that we think and broaden this centers of influence almost too much. And it's uh, it's something that we can't really get our arms around where I think it, as an advisor, you need to think about what's going on in your area. What are the needs and concerns of your clients? And then thinking about where my gaps are for centers of influence. Like I give you an example. I was talking to an advisor recently. And he said, you know, I have a great relationship with the uh, local general manager of a car dealership. And I kind of paused and he said, I thought I'd get that response. He said, many of my clients are starting to think about upgrading their cars, changing their cars, doing some things. He said, you know, I really didn't know a general manager in the area of a good car dealership. Started talking to some of my clients, come to find out they have a common theme as far as a brand. So I reached out to the general manager and said, hey, you know, I've got some clients that have some interest. Would it make sense for maybe us to partner up, maybe do a call, maybe uh, have something in person where you can bring out a couple cars? So I do think, you know, one of the caution things is, you know, you try and open it up to too many people. I think you want to have a good, solid team and then think about where the gaps are and opportunities as your clients are looking for these needs, opportunities that you can expand to new people. So, Mike, I, I know you're a strong believer in these types of events. I know you've been doing them for years physically. Uh, now we're talking about virtually. But what's the goal from the advisor standpoint? What's the, the end benefit to advisors to take the initiative and the time to put one of these events together? Yeah, I think a couple areas. I think what we hear from MIT um, is that clients really want an advisor and prospects, too. They want a financial advisor that can educate them and can provide them you know, access to resources in the area, right, and kind of be that go-to person. So really educating them and providing information and providing resources is so important. So I think it's tough as an advisor to know a little bit about everything, rather have good centers of influence that can help educate some of your clients. So I think the upside is it just brings that increased value from an advisor perspective that they listen to the client, that they understand the client wants the education, that the client wants access to resources in the area. And rather than you or I picking up the phone and kind of trying to figure out who the best person is, wouldn't it be great to just kind of funnel that through my advisor who has a couple of relationships, you know, maybe not recommending one versus another, but has a couple of relationships in the area. 
And I think, as I mentioned, prospects, I think that's where the biggest opportunity really lies is it's a great prospecting tool. I've seen it firsthand live where we do stand-up events, and now we're doing virtual events where all parties are bringing attendees and the opportunity to really kind of cross-sell or to meet some new prospects or meet some new ultimate clients. I think really that's where the value is. And Mike, what would you say is the initial response of advisors when you talk about this concept? Is it kind of like gung-ho, let's go do it? Do most people feel some hesitancy? How do you usually see advisors responding? Yeah, I think especially in the virtual world, there's a little bit of hesitancy. So I think it's, you know, how do I set this up? What's the best content? Who should I be talking to? And I think that's stuff that we can help in our advisor consultants in the field and our internal advisor consultants as well can really help walk through the process. I, I think it's, you know, I, I kind of try and remind them of any stand-up types of meetings or any traditional types of meetings where they brought in a guest speaker. What worked, what didn't work, what would you do differently? And now think about ways that we can do that from a virtual world. It's very cost-effective. You know, again, time-wise, it you know, opens us up to more flexibility where maybe we could do a lunchtime event where maybe traditionally we weren't able to do that because of certain locations. So I think it's trying to overcome some of that hesitancy. And I'm a big believer if, if we can discuss the idea, discuss the opportunity, you know, let's start small. Let's try and do a, a test. I think prep work is always good. Make sure all the parties are involved and can get on. But then, you know, just try and do a smaller intimate type of thing and see what works, what didn't work, evaluate it, and then kind of go from there. Was the topic applicable? Were there enough folks on the phone that you think doing the virtual event, it was worth everybody's while? What would you do differently? And then just continue. I think every one you do gets better and better. So I think you continue to improve. And as long as you're willing to hear some feedback and be flexible, I think it's going to work for you in the long run. So, Mike, you know, when I think about it prior to 2020, my guess is that most of the center of influence meetings that we did were physical in nature, right? I actually right. can't remember having done one virtually. I've been on some conference calls and things. But then since like February, I know, especially for our team, things really changed in a, a matter of a week or two. So talk about the virtual aspect. Let's separate the content and who would I invite from the fact that it's virtual. Do you think the fact that it's virtual adds complexity or does it make things simpler? And do you think from the ones you've done, do you find that advisors and clients enjoy the virtual format? Yeah, so I think the initial one, maybe there's a little complexity, I will say. Uh, some of the software resources that are available today, whether it's a WebEx or a Zoom, make things very, very easy. I think what we encourage advisors to do is maybe have an assistant or have somebody on your team sit in a different location or try this at night and just see the process. And I think once they go through that, they realize from a virtual perspective, it's really easy to pass the ball, to share slides. So I think, you know, it's an opportunity to kind of do that dress rehearsal, but I think they will find that you know, maybe there's a little hesitancy, but I think they'll find that it's much easier to coordinate than to do a mass mailing to 5,000 people, try and walk into the event, find out there aren't enough chairs and tables, the food is late, it's cold. There's a lot of downside to stand-up types of presentations where I don't think you really have to worry about that. You know, we've all done meetings, right, where there isn't enough parking or the place closes at a certain time. We weren't aware of it. Or there's another meeting going on at the same time and they have a cloth dividing the rooms as opposed to some physical things. So I think all those things, you don't really have to worry about those and you can set those aside doing virtual. I think you're much more in control 
than you ever were in any other prior event. And what I'm finding, and I'm pleasantly surprised, is the participation rate continues to climb. Clients are asking questions. They enjoy the format. I think for so many of us, you know, we're, we're kind of stranded in our house, for lack of a better term. The opportunity for us to connect visually with somebody else, to maybe learn something new, to hear from someone, just to, to some extent, not physically, but be able to get outside and connect with somebody else, I think it's so important. So I think you'll find that when we run these from a virtual perspective, you know, as you mentioned, you, you'll be able to get people that maybe weren't in a certain location You'll be able to get access to those folks. But I do think clients are going to enjoy this. The ones that we've seen and the ones that we've done, clients have been very, very receptive to the idea. So, Mike, just so I'm clear for our listeners, when we talk about one of these events, we're not talking about an event where you're only inviting the CPAs or the estate planning attorneys, like in a group of four or five estate planning. You're talking about inviting uh, a center of influence on either with your clients or you're inviting some of their clients or both? What's that usually look like? Or are you yeah. talking about a straight professional-only meeting? I'm talking about inviting uh, your existing clients that maybe uh, are thinking about some technology in the home, and you've got a good center of influence that you've worked with in the past that's kind of your go-to person, whether it's uh, some modifications, you know, people like a smart home. The next phase is kind of safe home. So is there some technology in the home that can keep folks safe? Maybe it's a representative from like a ring doorbell and security system or local person in the area, or it's somebody from the Best Buy. But I do think the ones that work the best is when we invite, or an advisor, I should say, sorry, invites clients that have interest. I would certainly have them open it up to any of their friends or relatives or neighbors that maybe they've talked to in the past that have had some challenges or concerns. But I would encourage whoever's coming on the phone, whatever center of influence, to have them invite some folks as well. You know, if you're covering a topic like that technology, they probably have some folks that have come into their store or have called them on the phone with some questions that you may find some commonalities. So you may want to invite them as well. So I think the best ones are really the opportunity to educate your existing clients, but then to meet some new clients. And I think it goes both ways. You know, if you're doing a small business type of event and you bring on a local lender, that lender hopefully is going to bring some small business clients that they have. Yes, it's a new relationship and a new opportunity for you to meet them, but your existing clients are on the phone. The lender gets to meet them as well. So I think it's kind of the quid pro quo, if you will. I think all parties, the ones that do it effectively, can really have the opportunity of meeting additional folks. So I think sometimes, depending on the topic, you may want to just invite your existing clients, but I'm always a big fan of letting the centers of influence know, by the way, we have some room on the line or, you know, whatever the opportunity is to say to them, hey, if you've got some clients, you know, maybe three or four folks that you know of, I'd love to have them on the call as well. And then the opportunity going forward to maybe thank them for being on the call and follow up with them. I, I think those are really the most beneficial events, honestly, is when everybody brings some folks in. So, Mike, can you, from a high level, walk me through a typical event? How long do they last? How long does everybody talk? Do you do Q&A? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think ideally uh, what we're finding is a half an hour is kind of the cap. I think our attention span sometimes uh, wanders off and, you know, certainly life gets in the way. I think, you know, an advisor that opens it up and maybe has a quick market update or has, you know, some type of prepared comments and then turns it over to uh, a center of influence and whether it's an engaging back and forth like we're doing now with a conversation or if it's uh, doing 15 minutes on a particular topic and then the opportunity to open up to, to questions, I think those are the ones that we find work the best. 
And I do think the advisor to some extent, um, you know, if they're hosting the event, they really are the driver of that event. So they want to make sure they can control the questions and control the time and really be the moderator of that type of event. Or again, if it's a Q&A, which I, I think those are always the best. I always like having that interaction, having that uh, back and forth. I think those are good as well. But I, I do think you want to leave some time at the end. Depending on the topic, you may get flooded with questions or you may get just a handful. Sometimes folks are reluctant to sharing questions on an open line. But there's that opportunity to really follow up and to you know maybe let them know that if they have individual questions, that you're certainly available to handle those. And Mike, I think as opposed to physical world, where sometimes advisors think that if they can't put 20, 25, 30, 40 people in a room, it, it doesn't make sense to hold the event. It seems like in virtual world, those groups can be possibly a little bit smaller and more intimate, right? Yeah. And I think those are the ones we found that have been most successful. And quite honestly, sometimes we don't even know, you know, our presentation style, the topic, it really isn't going to change. So I think that's the, the best part about it is that you don't have to really worry about the attendance. So like we did one recently and one person hosted the line and they had, I think, about 10 people in a room and it was on a speakerphone. Now, I'm not sure why they did it that way, but, you know, if we looked at it, we would have saw just one participant, but there actually were more participants behind the scenes. I think that's probably rare. The norm is getting 10 or 15 people on the call, but I do think that's, that's where it really is cost effective regardless of how many people you get. Yeah, and I think sometimes in virtual world, having too many people can almost be an impediment unless you're really used to managing that meeting. Like if at the end of the meeting, you have 40 people on the line, you say, okay, we're going to open up the lines now and you get the lawnmower in the background and the, right, the doorbell ringing <laughs> right, and the dog right. barking and it can kind of get unruly pretty quickly. But I think this kind of format really allows a half hour, right, for a for really right. an intimate event that is very valuable to some of your best clients and prospects. I think is a great idea. No, I was just going to say, I, I think, too, to try and get 50 or 100 people is a bit intimidating sometimes, too. And then the center of influence is starting to think, well, gosh, how many people do I have to invite? I have to make 25 calls or 50 calls to get 10 people versus, you know, if I can bring three to five people, those are, you know, three to five quick phone calls or maybe just quick emails to say, hey, here's the event we're doing and get my get my best and my closest relationships. I think it just takes the pressure off of them as well. And Mike, can you share with us some of the response or results that you've seen coming from some of these virtual COI events? I think what we've seen is kind of clarification. I've seen it and I've when I've done some traditional types of events, I've heard from clients firsthand saying, you know, I know my advisor knew a lot of people and did a lot, but I didn't really know the team that he or she had available until I saw this. And I think we're hearing that the same way from a virtual world. I'm also hearing from advisors saying, you know, I'm really impressed with that center of influence. They invited, you know, five or six people where I thought they were only going to maybe get one or two. So we're hearing from advisors saying this is clearly working. It's prospecting in a virtual world is 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 going to be the normal, right? It's not necessarily a new normal. It's going to be the normal going forward. And I think when you can work out the bugs and start to really go through the process, uh, it's not going to be if I do this event. Hopefully, it's going to be when I do this event because we're really going to have to think about alternative ways to get in front of these folks. And the success has really been such that advisors have said this is really working and I'm meeting new folks and I'm getting new relationships. So it's definitely worth their while. So my two questions as we bring this episode to a close, the first is if I missed anything, right? Is there information that you have other than what you've already shared that you want to make sure we know? And then the second one is 
if I'm an advisor who has never done an event like this, what would you recommend as maybe the most important first step towards trying to do one? Sure. As far as pieces, uh, we've got Hartford Funds has got some great resources available. We just developed a new piece, you know, need prospects, how virtual events with local professionals could be the answer. It's a terrific step-by-step and how to get these, uh, these events going. I think the best resource, honestly, in the area is your advisor consultant. Your advisor consultant has probably done these types of events. So rather than me trying to do it alone and then, you know, struggling with the phone line and this didn't work or I had this challenge, like you said, you know, with the lawnmower at a certain time, work through your advisor consultant, you know, kind of the pros and cons, what topics are working, what time of day works best, what maybe technical format works best. You know, there may be some from their firm, but you know, what's the best type of audience to invite? How is this the most successful? I, I think they truly can be a terrific partner in the area. And you may have thought of them, you know, from an investment perspective, but I think of, think of them as a center of influence as well, where they can really bring the expertise, the things they've done in the past, and really talk about the successes. And I think advisors to reach out to advisor consultants will benefit from maybe some other ones that did this early on and some of the challenges that they've had. They can share that and kind of eliminate some of those stumbling blocks. Well, Mike Lynch from the Applied Insights team at Hartford Funds. Mike, thanks for taking the time to share with us on the podcast today. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. And for all of you listening, as always, uh, our website, www.hartfordfunds.com, has a wealth of information and resources about this topic, as well as many others. And I want to thank you for taking the time again to listen to the podcast. And we look forward to joining you again for another episode of the Human-Centric Investing Podcast. Thanks very much. This podcast is intended for use by financial professionals or in conjunction with the advice of a financial professional. It is intended to be educational in nature and should not be construed as individual investment advice or a recommendation or solicitation to buy, sell, or hold any security or to adopt any investment strategy. It does not constitute legal or tax advice or fiduciary advice pursuant to ERISA rules.